Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to the very beginning of the Torah, the genesis of our classes, Baruch Hashem. A zechut, it was unbelievable um, to have uh, a prayer from Mashiva Ruch Murida Geshem. And then we asked God, just, you know, we're asking you for it, but if you could deliver it, you know, right after, don't give us uh, the prime delivery one day. Don't send it to us Instacart level. We'll take the two-day shipping, you know, so if you could get... And then I have to tell you, I walked out of the synagogue last night after the most magnificent Simchat Torah. It was so special. It was special in the way uh, that it was, I have to say, and we'll talk a little bit about it today. Um, but then you walked home, and as you're walking home, it was raining. So unbelievable. All of the holiday, no rain. Magnificent meals. Fantastic. Baruch Hashem. We thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for taking care of us and for delivering us a beautiful holiday. And Be'ezrat Hashem, that simcha that we experienced all throughout the Yom Tov should be Be'ezrat Hashem, a harbinger for us for the entire year. Uh, it should be a year full of, of simcha. Today's breakfast is uh, in celebration of the birth of Lisa Faye Jamal, born to Celia and Joseph Jamal, uh, the honored grandparents... Uh, Lisa and Alan Jamal and Aline and Bobby Beta uh, were so, uh, so happy to be able to celebrate this together with you um, and I'm going to tell you to socially distance because my, ma- my mask is not on so uh, <laughs> um, and uh, what's it called and uh, we, we hope the words of Torah today uh, stand in our zechut as well um, we also would like to dedicate these words of Torah Li'ilui Nishmat, a dear friend David Ben Nisan, Alava Shalom, the father of our dear, dear friend Johnny Moradov, uh, who was terribly missed, uh, a simple, humble man who sat in the back, who turned out to be one of the great Sadiqim and great uh, righteous leaders of the community, but he was more comfortable sitting in the back than sitting in the front. So as soon as he left his post, he tried to make himself as if he was nobody, but he was a giant amongst men. And uh, it is uh, the confluence of these two people actually, that brings me to the point I want to make today, and to give my beracha as well uh, to the dear parents, to this uh, wonderful young uh, little girl that's born into the world, and uh, to the grandparents who are here with us today. You know, when God creates the world, He doesn't say, let there be a world. Wouldn't that have been easier? You know, okay Google, He would have said, or, uh, you know, hello Siri, you know, let there be a world, chalas. God, he's a conservationist. He doesn't waste words in the Torah. He doesn't even waste letters. So why does God give all these different commands? First, let there, there, there be light, and then let there be this, and let there be that. Of course, of course. David ben Nisan. Amen. So God says, let there be light. And then on the second day, what does he say on the second day? He says, he talks about the earth and the seas kind of separating. So day one is the separation of light and dark. Day two is the separation of land and sea. We've discussed this already before. I don't know if you remember. where We talked about going into the mikveh and how that makes somebody pure. The earth is a place where an animal can live. But the sea is not a place an animal can live. If an animal goes in the sea, he dies. If you take a fish out of the ocean and you put him on dry land, he's going to die. 
that means that he's creating spaces that are designated uh, a boundaried area for each item. That's what God was doing on that second day. The same thing is true, by the way, between the earth and the sky. You take a human being, you put him in space, he doesn't survive, can't breathe, there's no oxygen. So there were spaces, if you will, in Ruchaniyut and in Geshmiyut, right? A place where someone's not allowed to go. Where do we find an idea like this? Right? We find it by Har Sinai. Har Sinai, God says, anyone tries to go on the mountain, he's going to die. The mountain is too holy for you. You can't go to this place. Fascinating. Interestingly enough, about that day where the Jewish people were separated from the mountain, what do we say? Yom Hashishi. It harkens back to creation. This day, the day of giving the Torah, harkens back to creation. So all that we're seeing so far is about separation of spaces. Heaven and earth, uh, sea and land. But then you go to the third day. And what happens on the third day? What's Vayyerevayvokiyom Shilishi? If the Pasuk says, <clears throat> excuse me, what's the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the second day is the separation number three? Let it separate between the two places, okay? And Hashem says, let there come plants and vegetation. What happens on the fourth day? God talks about the heavens again. So it's really interesting to notice that day one belongs to the heavens. Day two belongs who, to whom? To the earth. Day three belongs, clearly vegetation, right? To the earth and plants to the earth. Day four belongs to the heavens. So it's two, two. It's like, it's like a Lakers playoff game, this thing over here, right? One door there, one goes this way, it goes that way, right? By day five, where are we up to? Interestingly enough, who does day five belong to? Heaven or earth? Metal. Fascinating. Both, right? It gi- it's given to the animals and also to the birds that fly in the sky. So, so far, we have one, 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 and then a tie. So comes the sixth day, and who should it go to? Who, who should the sixth day belong to? That's the problem. It can't belong to either. Because we have two, two up and one tiebreaker. So what does God do? God creates animals that come from the earth, granted. But then God creates a human being. Where the human being is made of a body from this earth and a soul from the heavens. Where for all creations of this earth, this place is their domain. The fish live in the sea. The animals live on the earth. The bugs live on the earth. Each one has its place. Everything in creation has its place except for man. Man is the great uniter of heaven and earth. We were placed in this place called this, this Adama, this Eretz. We were called Adam. And why are we called Adam? The Sepharim tell us because man was made from the earth, Adam, but he was also created with the root called Adameh. Adama means earth. Adameh means let me be compared to. Adameh la Elion. That I should be compared to he who sits, who lives, who dwells on high. The fascinating thing about a human being is that there's an unbelievable amount of inertia. You take a guy who's on unemployment. I don't mean now. Most of us are on unemployment now. But you have a normal time. You have a guy who doesn't have a job. You know how hard it is to get a guy off of the dole back into, uh, into work? It's very hard. Once you get used to not working, someone else paying for you, 
Chalas. It's very hard to start working again. You get used to jail, right? The number one place people in jail come from is jail. They're repeat offenders. That's how it works. Once you get used to not doing, so there's a nature of this world for each thing to recognize its place and to not try and transcend its place. But Rabotai, we're learning over here that if a person wants to achieve, if they want to grow, if they want to move from place to place, from stage to stage, there's really one trick, and that trick is achieving balance. Not leaning more towards heaven too much, not leaning more towards earth, but having some sense of equilibrium where the person always feels like they're capable, like they're standing on solid ground. Like each of these things has been, uh, what's it called? Achieved. There's a fascinating confluence in Hebrew language between the word shalem, which means perfection, and the word shalom. Shalom requires that each side feels that they were paid attention to. The body was taken care of and the soul was taken care of. Rabotai, today we have an experience of this exact shalom. This child is called Lisa Fay. Lisa is the mother of, uh, of, this, uh, of the father of this from one side. And the so middle name Fay comes the grandmother of the other side of, uh, of Celia. That is a child that already has planted in it from before the kid knows how to talk, before the kid knows how to walk, before the kid knows how to argue, before the kid knows how to be selfish, before the kid knows how to be gracious, is planted within this child an element of unbelievable shalom. And that shalom, that peace leads Rabotai inexplicably always to shleimut, to perfection. Now that's counterintuitive because you would think that if you're trying to achieve perfection, you need excess. You need to go to extremism. Let me give you an example. LeBron James, before he became what is possibly the greatest basketball player that ever lived, it's arguable, they're always going to argue whether or not he's the GOAT, he isn't the GOAT, he is the GOAT, he's not the GOAT, right? Before, you, before we, no one's ever going to you know, agree on it. But for many, many, many people, if you look at his stats, it's hard to argue that he is not, okay? This is a guy who before he became a, base, a basketball player was also capable of becoming a pro football player. Michael Jordan, before he became a basketball player, was also capable of going pro in baseball. baseball. Now, LeBron didn't go to football. Jordan didn't go to baseball. Now, I don't know if they would have stuck with that, if they would have been as good at that as, what, as the thing that they are in now. But I can promise you one thing. I don't know if LeBron would have been the best baseball player to ever live if he would have stuck with that. But I can promise you one thing. If he would have kept both of them up, he wouldn't have been good either. The fascinating thing though is that when it comes to human beings, the opposite is true. And I don't, I'm not talking about basketball skills. I'm talking about perfection as a human being. If a person achieves excess in one thing, automatically it means that they are not perfect in that thing. In fact, when it comes to Abraham Avinu, who is perfect in chesed, we find that they had to marry someone called Sarah, who was the opposite of himself. Every time we find Sarah mentioned in the Torah, she's mentioned in the context of Din, of the opposite of Chesed. Yitzchak is the Midah of Din of Givura. Who does he marry? Rivka, someone who's Majnun in the world of 
Chesed, to balance them out. The most important thing in creating Shalemut is creating Shalom. So when we say these words, Oseh Shalom Bimromav, what are we actually communicating? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is capable and he's worried and he's being midayik, what I say today, what I say the next day, how is the earth going to feel if I gave another one to the sky, etc., etc. God makes peace in the heavens. We should make peace between us. But Rabotai, the only possible way a person could have peace with other people is if they are at peace with themselves. If a person feels, that's why it says, "Who shalom alenu ve'al Israel," because having peace with other Israel is impossible if the person is not at peace with himself. Rabotai, this gift that was given to each and every human being, that they, at the one hand, they understand they come from the earth, they're practical, they're pragmatic, but at the same time, their spirits soar, they dream. That this idea that a human being could be jealous of another person. Kin'ah has a very holy root. It was designed to make you look at someone else's Torah, ma'asim tovim, their skills, their excellence, and to prod you to be better than your current self. But again, each time a person can take a piece of heaven and they could bury it in the earth, or they could take a piece of earth and help it rise to the very heavens. Don't sell yourself short. We've just gone through a season where we said sorry for all the things that we've done wrong. And sometimes a person thinks that if I just stop doing the wrong things, that's a great human being. That's a person who's gone from negative to zero. That's not a person who's soaring. You want to be a great person, you need to reach up to the heavens. You need to ask yourself, what would I look like if I was kinder, if I was more patient, if I was more generous? If I studied more Torah, if I prayed better. That is the idea that's conveyed to us in Bereshit. But make sure not to take too big a step that you can't hold on. I gave a mashal yesterday when we were dancing around. We didn't bring out all the Sifrei Torah because of COVID. So we brought Sifarim that were light so people could carry around and it would be easier to transport them even outside, inside. But we had one Sifrei Torah that sat on the table. And that was the big heavy sefer. Everyone took the little small ones and the big heavy ones sat on the table. I said, let that be a mashal to everybody. That when you want to walk away from Simchat Torah, you want to walk into the real world to take something from all of these holidays, to try and be great. Don't take the giant sefer. <laughs> Don't take the big Torah with you. Take the small Torah. Take something compact enough that you can carry it with you wherever you go. And when you take small, measured steps, which incorporate shalom, taking on a big thing doesn't pay attention to the edit side of you, to the earth, earthly side of you. It says, oh, you know what? I have to get up to the first minyan, pray vatikin every day, study the daf yomi, never lose my temper even one time. That's not something that's possible. You're not going to achieve shalemut because you didn't make shalom between yourself. So rabotai, if it means that when you come to shul, you promise yourself that I'm going to eat a nice breakfast, that's making shalom. Shalom between your neshama and your goof. Recognizing, Rabotai, that if I'm, going to, if I'm going to put myself in a situation and I think I'm going to lose my temper with a person, so one way is, you tell yourself very harshly, you need to be an angel. 
You need to be from the heavens. You can never lose your temper. Hang out with this person. No, no. You're allowed to tell yourself, if I don't want to lose my temper, don't put yourself in a situation where you and him are going to be in the same room for more than five minutes. That's shalom. It doesn't sound like shalom. Shalom sounds like I have to be able to walk in and never say a word to the guy or to this woman. I have to always be on my best behavior. That's not peace. That's not balance. It's not recognizing that you are not only made of shamayim, you're also made of audits. <clears throat> Give a nod to your earthly, earthly side, to your, weekly, to your weak side. Recognize to this element that, listen, I understand myself and I'm going to bite off something I could chew to be able to ultimately achieve the most unimaginable things ever. May God bless us to un- unveil and reveal the most beautiful side of us. The Hebrew name that you gave today was? Le'ah Batsalcha. We were talking just today about this woman Le'ah in the Torah and the power of the name Le'ah and how special it is. Le'ah gets a bad rap. A lot of people ask me if they should change their name because they have a name Le'ah. I always laugh at them. I said, you should only be so lucky. You should only be so lucky. Le'ah is the woman who gives the most Shifte Israel. She winds up marrying Yaakov Avinu. Yes, it's true. She cries. But Rabotai, what everybody forgets is Rachel also cries. Everybody cries. Ain't no such thing as living in this world without crying. The only question is, do you cry now or do you cry later? Le'ahu cries earlier. She plants the trees. She waters them with her tears. She has the most magnificent life. Rachel, who has smooth sailing in the beginning, what happens? She cries later. She can't have the kids later. You see, Rabotai, this element, this recognition of balance between easy and hard, between growth and stagnation, Rabotai, that is the human experience, that is a human story. It is our blessing that Le'ah, she should become like we name and we bless each and every one of our children who are, who are girls this year. Every Shabbat, Yisimech Elohim Kisara Rivka Rachel Ve'Le'ah. Who do we end with? Le'ah. Why? Goes out of order. What should it be? Sarah, Rivka Rachel Le'ah. It should be Sarah, Rivka Le'ah Rachel. Right? That's how it should be. The answer is Rabotai that we ended with the one, Rabotai, we ended with the one of the Imahot, the one that was able to give birth to children easily. Sarah struggled. Rivka struggles. Rachel struggles. But Le'ah, the one that we end with, the one that we, Acharon, Acharon, Chaviv, is Le'ah, because ultimately, all the effort that she put in wound up bearing fruit and she led the most magnificent life. It is our wish, our beracha, that this young girl should grow up to be like the, one of the imahot, like Le'ah Imenu, that she should have many amazing children, that she should marry an unbelievable person, and the Be'ezrat Hashem, she should recognize that in every area of her life that she struggles with, she's working through different problems, all these different things, she should always see every struggle, Rabotai, and this is how we have to look at life as an opportunity. You know, the other day I was on my friend's rooftop, and I'll end with this. I was on my friend's rooftop, and his sukkah, the whole roof fell over on itself. So the, the sechach, two pieces of sechach, one piece of sechach was blown up because the wind on the roof was so strong, it fell back on itself with the beams, with the lights, upside down, facing the heavens. So I'm sitting there, I went to try to fix it. So I went up there, I'm trying to fix it, okay? 
the wind is so strong on top of the building, and I'm one person trying to move an item that's 10 feet, 15 feet long, you can't move it. As I get it up in the air, what happens? The wind is hitting the schach. It's like a sail, okay? It's hitting it. I'm sitting there fighting. I'm practically going to be blown off the whole building, okay? I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, and finally I get it on. Now, Rabotai, for me, I learned a great lesson. For me, I'm sitting there trying to get this thing to go and lie down flat. So for me, I'm looking at the wind, and the wind is getting in my way. But Rabotai, there's two ways to look at resistance. One way is to fight the wind. To always feel that the wind is against you. But Rabotai, how does a bird fly? Takes its wings. How does a plane fly? It brings the wings up. Instead of against it like this, what does it do? It finds a happy point between where it's getting resistance from the wind and where that wind is lifting it up. A person who sees the challenges and struggles of life as Adama, as something trying to ground you, will always be on the ground. But a person who uses that resistance to actually lift it up, a sailboat moves because of the wind. A bird flies because of the wind. A plane can take us to Eretz Israel because of the wind. That, Rabotai, is the way a person looks at this world. To be able to see and to use elements of the difficulty and the aretz to actually elevate you all the way to the very heavens. Baruch Adonai Amen